Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your co-host Jackie Spinell. And I'm Hannah Meira Plotkin. Let's dive right in. Welcome back everyone. Yay. We are really happy that you are here with us. Um, today is November 3rd. Um, and we are so excited to be recording an episode this week specifically focusing on local elections and voter suppressions, suppression, because one day before November 3rd is November 2nd, and that is the day of general elections all across the United States. Yes, this is a very important topic to discuss and also something that both Hannah and I are very passionate about. Um, just politics in general. I know we had, we talked a lot about politics um, and the importance of voting around this time last year for the presidential election. But I know since then, we've had a lot of new listeners and Hannah and I have each had new experiences that I think have shifted our perspectives and just taught us more. Um, We do have a year more um, of just experiences. So with that, we have our icebreaker question. We're excited to get back into the swing of things with the icebreakers. Um, so Jackie, we'll start off with you. When did you first learn the importance of voting? So I think for me, the voting was just something always ingrained. That's just what you do. It's part of the culture. Um, since I was, I always went to New York City public schools, um, until I was in seventh grade. So I always got off for election day. And so I would go with my mom to vote. And I, I remember one when, um, I guess Obama was, was running for president. I remember me and a couple of my friends just walking down the street screaming, vote for Obama. Um, I was probably like, how old was I? Maybe eight years old. Um, and just like little memories like that, I think it was just always like the culture. Um, and then I know I talked a little bit about this on the podcast. Um, but I think especially about a year ago, really with Trump, I mean, I've, I really remember the day Trump got, Trump got elected, like it was yesterday. And I was, and I was only in sixth grade. Um, but I really saw like what happens when people don't vote and what happens. It's just so it's was such a polarizing election. I really saw how important it is to vote for who you believe in and what you believe in. And then um, last spring when I was working for um, to elect the uh, Manhattan district attorney candidate, Tully for Haiti and Weinstein, who ended up not winning the Democratic primaries. So wasn't in this election. Um, but when I was doing that, I just really saw it, um, just upfront, like not just what my, what my, how my parents are voting or how my immediate family members are voting or that they're voting, but how important it is to spread the word and how to, and, and to engage everybody in the voting process so that everybody, so that it's just a transparent process and everybody's able to vote and, um, you know, share, share what they believe in. So we'll kind of talk a little bit more about voter suppression, but I definitely saw that, um, how, how, how damaging that can be to a society, not directly, but sort of like a hypothetical. Um, and then with that, the importance of voting. So Hannah, I'll turn it, turn it over to you now. 
when did you first learn the importance of voting? Yeah, honestly, thank you, Jackie, for passing it over. But your story was so powerful. And when I first think about voting, I first I think back to when I used to go to Abrams Hebrew Academy in Pennsylvania and we would be in gym and we would listen to Gangnam Style. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, right. Such a good song. And then there was like a parody spinoff of it that went like Mitt, 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 Mitt Romney style or something like that. And obviously I liked the song. So obviously I was like, yeah, like go vote Mitt Romney. I love that. And obviously like you were younger and the people in your class were also younger. But I think that kind of, especially as you get older, um, when you're not informed about the election or just don't have the resources to inform yourself, um, that can just cause you to vote for like, based off of something that you don't care about, like, for example, um, the person's name or something like that. Um, and so that definitely, I think that's kind of a good transition into talking about what's going on, the elections that happened um, yesterday, and also later we'll talk more about voter suppression. Obviously, that, that kind of, that isn't voter suppression, but like that can be, that can be similar to it and kind of that mis, misinformation. Yeah, so with that, sort of just diving into our content here, we wanted to start off by talking about local elections and why local elections matter. And I think people use this hashtag a lot on social media and use it as like a catchphrase, but your vote is really your voice. To unpack this a little bit, there's no way that you can just walk into Congress and be like, this is what I want and we're going to do it. You can't do that. But what you can do is vote and you know, elect people to positions of power that do have the ability to walk into Congress with a bill and be like, this is what we want and this is how, my, this is my plan to pass it. And so, you know, it can feel kind of removed when you're voting. I mean, I've never voted in an actual, in an actual election, but I can imagine that when you walk in there, you are saying, I trust this person to make decisions that are right for our district or for my community or that reflects my values. And that's a way of sort of like, um, you know, passing the torch to someone else to then carry your voice further and further to to people in power. I don't know if I explained that well, but Jackie, I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And I think definitely sort of restating that, I guess, you really, you want the, I mean, the ideal for everybody is for the government to reflect your beliefs. And obviously, like you're one person in this in this country, one person in your county, wherever. But by having people who reflect you in your county, that's how you make things happen for bigger areas like your state, your country, wherever. So some some big elections that happened. Um, I know Hannah in Beechwood, there was an election um, and I want you to, or if you want to talk about that a little bit. And I know, and then in New Jersey, we had the governor, the governor election. As many of you know, I did move to New Jersey. So that has now become um, my voting place. Well, not, I don't vote yet, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, And so what I want to just say about New Jersey, which I think is really interesting, New Jersey is a blue state for sure, but so many people in New Jersey did not vote that the, um, it's Phil Murphy, who is the Democrat, and um, Jack 
uh, Citarelli, I want to say. Um, he is the Republican. He's, I think he's a big Trumper. Um, he, there were rumors about him at the Capitol breach. He's just that type of, that type of guy. Um, and while New Jersey is very blue, um, it has come down to a, a, a percent point, a very, very, very small percent point. I think it's like 40, 49.97% of people have voted for Phil Murphy and 49.28% have voted for the Republican candidate, which is a very, very, very close race. And it's very scary because it shows how few people or how few, how many people, uh, how many Democrats in New Jersey who usually vote blue just didn't come out to this election because they didn't, either they didn't care or they had so much trust in everybody else for coming out. And that's a very important part about voting in general is that you can't just rely on everybody else because if everybody else has that mindset, you're not getting anywhere and nobody's voting. And so that's all often like a fear for New York City. There was one of the big elections was the um, mayoral election and um, Eric Adams was the Democratic candidate. And while Manhattan is 70% Democrat and he did end up winning, it's always kind of a fear every year that maybe um, people, maybe Democrats in New York City would just have so much trust in one another that they that each other will vote that they won't go out and vote and if that happens to everybody then you could see a republican candidate rise up and end up winning so that's something that i always like to think about and i always like to think about it that kind of mindset in politics voting or even in day-to-day -day activities you know i'm not going to get too in depth uh, into that but just sort of like doing what you do um, and not relying that other people will kind of do it, do it so that you don't have to. A hundred percent. And I think it's really, really dangerous. This idea of just hoping that someone else will essentially like do your bidding for you and saying, you know, my vote is only one vote. Why does it matter? But every single vote really does have an entire like world sort of depending on it. If, if you have a thousand people saying, you know, hey, my vote doesn't matter. Well, that could win or lose a certain candidate in election. I mean, if we're going to look at Beachwood here, we just had a um, um, a new mayor race and the incumbent Martin Horowitz got 1,977 votes and our new mayor, Justin Burns, got 2,123. So you can see how close of a race that was. I think it was like a 48-52 race sort of situation um and both of them ran as i mean you don't really run as a certain party for mayor but they're both registered democrats and i go to school with justin burns son um we also had some new city council people elected um our board of education we got new people voted on um thank goodness um there was one person that tried to run for a beachwood city school board that was actually at the um the uh, capital insurrection and we accidentally had a sign promoting her campaign in our yard in our lawn for a few days before we realized um, what that meant and then swiftly took that down. Um, we also we have this is very exciting, we have a brand new um, Cleveland city mayor so Beatrice is a suburb of Cleveland His name is Justin Bibb and he's an African American um, he's only 34 years old 
which is like incredibly young to be in politics, but also like really represents the demographic of the people that live in Cleveland. So I think it feels really good um, to just have Justin Bibb in power now that, you know, can represent his constituents hopefully better. Um, we also had a, a Shaker Heights municipal court, municipal judge race. Um, I don't know the results of that, but yeah. Um, anything else to add there, Jackie? I, I mean, I, I think that's really interesting how you guys have so many, so many different levels of authority or government, I guess. Um, and honestly, there are so many, especially while I was working or while I was campaigning for Tali this past um, spring, I realized how many just elections there are going on. Not all the time, but you don't always realize, you might always just notice presidential, mayoral, maybe governor, but you're not always always looking at um, city controller or um, New York City Council, for example. Those are just some examples in the New York area. But I know that there are so many different, different um, people that make up your um who who represent your area that i encourage everybody to do research on because those people ultimately are your first level of kind of transparency um between you and what you want to see happen um in the greater state or country a hundred percent and i've actually never heard of a new york city controller so um i learned something new today we wanted to sort of switch over our conversation to focus a little bit more on voter suppression. So voter suppression is basically by the Google definition is a strategy used to influence the outcome of an election by discouraging or preventing specific groups of people from voting. And you may be like, hey, that sounds illegal. Well, it is. But just because things are illegal doesn't mean that they don't exactly happen. That doesn't mean that they don't happen. And people may not it may not be 100% intentional, like, hey, I'm going to stop this marginalized group from voting today, but these sort of things tend to happen. For example, we have different, um, you know, election locations being switched last minute without letting the, um, the voter know. So there's no communication about where, where this person should be voting, and then they show up to their voting location and it's not the right place. Or you have issues with requiring requiring documentation and you know different different levels of of um, you know security screenings and whatnot to register to vote, which can make it really hard for um, for new immigrants, for people that are new citizens. You also have voter suppression in the form of like felons and people that were recently you know, in prison or in jail and situations like those that can make it really hard for people to vote and prevent an entire population from having a voice in democracy. Those are some really great examples there. And I want to, what, what made me, what I really thought of when listening to those and when I just think of voter suppression is thinking about equity versus equality um, and making sure things are not just equal for example, you don't want, it, it's not going to be beneficial necessarily if every single person um, just gets the same voter location or gets the same person to call them or the same help or, or to find their, their um, get their documents set up. You might have somebody who speaks a different language. You might have somebody who doesn't have a car 
or and needs a different form of transportation and so you just want it to be everybody just to be equitable and everybody just be able to to have the resources they need to vote and for it all to just be to be i mean you want it to be easy for everybody obviously there might be some lines and there might be it might be a bit of a pain and i think that that's also something that's preventing people from voting which is which is um unfortunate um, because when it really comes down to it, if it's that it's kind of a burden, that's that's really just not not something that you wanna you wanna see. But um, definitely just making it making it accessible for everybody is very important to limiting voter suppression. And also, I want to say that when I was again when I was doing the Tali campaign, um, especially when it was. Um, GOTV week, get out the vote week, um, where it was after early election had started, it was kind of the, the crunch time, you might say. So people were already in the polling locations, but they didn't have to vote. Um, then they could vote on election day. It's really important to tell people about those days because that's when there are less lines. That's when not everybody knows about that. So it's, you don't have to go that one day if you're not, if you're not in town that one day or, you know, there's, there's other ways you can always do an absentee ballot, but if you want to vote in person, you can go during, um, during a different time during early voting. It's the same thing. Um, but when I was doing that, um, not only did a lot of people not know that that's a thing and other things like where their voting location was or, or have the resources they needed to find out who, who was in, who was running or whatever. Um, it's also something when, um, campaigns are not allowed to go to be a certain distance uh, too close to the voting locations, the voting sites, um, because you don't want them to influence somebody at like the last minute or force somebody to vote for them. You know, you want it all to be equal. And while it's okay to be on the streets and, you know, you can ignore them, you can whatever, but it's, it's another thing if they're too close. And that's actually something that um, they can get in serious trouble for and ultimately get taken out of the election for, which is something I, I didn't even, I didn't know before I, before I um, volunteered in the, in the process. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I think you have such an interesting perspective on voting now that you, um, and like on elections, now that you've worked so closely with a campaign that you're really passionate about. Uh, with this idea of um, disproportionate voter suppression happening to people of color and black and brown communities, I think we wanted to talk a little bit about gerrymandering and what gerrymandering is. And um, I'm taking AP Gov this year. It's, it's a struggle, it's a hard class. Um, but we were just talking about gerrymandering the other day. So essentially what it is, is that every 10 years, um, all citizens across the nation take what's called a census, the U.S. Census, which collects information about where people live um, and population data and things like that. And then legislators are using this data to draw district lines. And those are called, and then everyone's placed into a certain district and you have a certain number of represent, representatives per state um, and each district gets to be represented within um, the House of Representatives in Congress. But too often, the states use this redistricting sort of as a political tool that manipulates the outcome of elections or can sort of certify um, or ensure how a certain election will 
will sort of play out. And that's what's called gerrymandering. And it's really undemocratic and it stifles the voices of so many voters. And the governors are the people who approve, the governors of each state approve um, the drawings of the district maps um, that these people draw up. And so obviously if you have a Republican governor, they're probably going to approve maps that favor the Republican party. If you have a Democrat and you know, same thing for having a Democratic governor. So basically what happens is that these, the people that are drawing up the maps will try and pack as many people of the same you know, um, opinion or community um, in, a, in the same area. So let's say, you know, Jackie and I, we all have a few friends and um, we're trying to make sure that there's a majority Democrats um, in three groups. So you're gonna put a few Democrats in each group to outnumber the amount of Republicans in each group. I don't know if that was, that analogy clearly did not make sense um, and I did not explain that well, but I think you get the point is that you're just packing together people to sort of create a certain, a certain precedent of, of how the vote will turn out. Um, so my district is very heavily gerrymandered. Um, it's not shaped at all like square, like a circle. I live in a district that's sort of like a line that snakes this way and snakes that way. So it's kind of crazy. Um, the new district lines were just drawn up because it is, they are, the um, information is released in August of 2021. So that's what, that's what they're working on right now in probably the Ohio governor, Governor Mike DeWine's office. So segueing right in, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about a Supreme Court case. I apologize for rambling so, so long. Um, but basically, Shaw versus Reno is a Supreme Court case um, that ruled that redistricting um, or doing gerrymandering based solely off of race is unconstitutional. And you're like, great. I mean, that's an obvious, that's a given. But the Supreme Court case only ruled that gerrymandering on race is unconstitutional. But you know, religion or age or anything like that, oh, that's completely fine and that's completely fair game. So that's pretty much how gerrymandering works in our society today. And um, Shaw versus Reno really held up the Equal Protection Clause. Um, and I think that that's really important to note when we talk about gerrymandering. So Jackie, I'll let you have the floor. I think that's interesting. And thank you for bringing attention to that. I actually, I'm not familiar with that. And I don't know too much about gerrymandering, actually. But I definitely can see some of the some of the flaws with it. Um, as voter suppression in general, there's just it's very, it's very damaging to society, because it really just doesn't, doesn't let people um, have their authentic vote. Um, it's kind of like their filtered vote after, you know, hearing so many different getting the opinions of so many different people, if that makes sense. Um, but I definitely encourage people to do some more research on this topic in general, um, because it, it, it's really interesting. And honestly, it's very prevalent in this in our society, like Hannah said. Um, and I just think it's something that it's that we should all be aware of, um, whether you vote or not, just knowing that it's around you and how to sort of um, how to avoid it the best you can. That's it for this week's episode of Dive Right In with Jackie and Hannah. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at Dive Right In Podcast, as well as our website, www.divereadinpodcast.weebly.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen, and you can leave any additional feedback at diverightinpodcast at gmail.com. And you just dove right in.